Jackie, left side to Lou Rod, thinks about the three. Instead, he'll drive, steps inside, scoop shot is good. Little reverse off the glass. Young takes the rebound, but McCabe controls. McCabe quick pass up ahead to Webster. Webster's gonna drive on Degenhardt. Left-handed layup, no good. Keyshawn Gilbert there for the rebound. No good, but Carl Jones for the slam dunk. There you go, big Carl. That's why he's in there, John. McCabe with 15 on the clock. McCabe to a curling Harkless in the lane. Harkless bounces to Gilbert. Gilbert double clutch, layup and a foul. What great body control by Keyshawn Gilbert. Gets the bucket to give the Rebels the lead. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Should they play Carl more? They might need to play Carl Jones more. <laughs> he had a tip slam. Yeah, he did. Got in there Came and in big time. Big think, Carl. What did he commit? Did he commit two fouls while he was out there? No, only one foul in four minutes. Right. Yeah, two points, two rebounds, right. Carl one foul. Carl at it, yeah. Four minutes. Um, I was actually a little confused why he played. Because they've played him a couple of times in spots and when it's still like a competitive game. And normally it's been because Mawaka and Victory Waka were in foul trouble. But when he came in, David Mawaka hadn't committed a foul yet. Like, Iwako, I think, had two in the first half. But, like, Mawaka was on zero fouls. And I was like, what, what are they doing with Carl Jones? So maybe they do need to play him more. Give Carl Jones a little bit more uh, playing time out there. So... Here's a here's sort of a big picture question on this. UNLV, like we said earlier, they've lost six in a row now to Boise State. Kruger has not beat them. He's 0-3. Otzelberger went 1-4. UNLV has not been to the NCAA tournament. We're getting close to a decade of that happening. Should we view Boise State as sort of like the divide between lower half Mountain West and Mountain West that's good enough to go to the NCAA tournament? Because... Boise State is very, pretty much never, they were good last year, but Boise State pretty much never. They won never, it last year. They're pretty much never the best team in the conference. But they're almost. No, nah, but they're always good. They're almost always like fourth. Right. And if it's a good year, Boise State gets into the NCAA tournament every now and then. Right. But usually they're sort of like fourth and, you know, San Diego State's one. Maybe Utah State has a great year in his one. Maybe it was, you know, the Nevada. There's somebody else. But normally they're fourth. So, like, should we view Boise State as, okay, once UNLV is better than Boise State, then they're an NCAA tournament. I think that's team. a great point by you. They've lost six straight to Boise, um, which is a little surprising uh, to me that they've lost six straight to them, uh, especially Osselberger going, what, he went one and four and yeah. lost his last three. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there might be no better measuring stick than a team that finishes in the top four, given UNLV hasn't finished in the top four since when? They did it, uh, they did it once when they were in the 4-5 game, so they've done it once in, like, Seven years seven or something years. like that. Yeah. I think Boise State is. I mean, everyone kind of shoots for San Diego State because they've been at the top of the conference for so long. Utah State, like you said, is, you know, has a good must side those Nevada teams. But on a consistent basis, if you can use the fourth team as a measuring stick, I think that's a good one to right. go after. So, like, if you are not as good as Boise State, then you're probably not making the NCAA tournament. Right. If you're better than Boise State, then you have a chance. Then you got a really good chance right. to go to the NCAA tournament. So I, it's just a, an interesting team in the conference who's kind of always there, but is rarely the best team and also rarely the bad team. Like Boise State doesn't really have, they, they, they no, haven't really not had bad seasons. Eighth, ninth. Right, under Leon Rice. Um, so talking about NCAA tournament and resumes and all that. Losing to Boise State last night, not the end of the world, except they lost by 18. And that's the painful part because both Net and Ken Palm 
the margin matters. Your net efficiency matters. And UNLV in Ken Palm, they fell from 73 to 78, which is not a massive not fall, a fall. But 78 is going to be nearly impossible to get in the NCAA tournament, no. right? Usually every year there's like one team with sort of a low Ken Palm that gets in. Rutgers did it last year with a 77 Ken Palm. So you're not completely out of it, but... But they probably had more chances at quad one right. games. And normally there's there's one team. So you being the one team that's in like the 70s to get in in Ken Palm, not good. But here's the problem. Net UNLV fell from 52 to 67. Big drop last night after that loss. And if you at the end of the year are 67 in net and 78 in Ken Palm, basically no chance right. to be in the NCAA tournament. the NCAA tournament. Here's the other part of that. Boise State jumped all the way up to 25th in net. Off winning after, by 18 after last After winning night. by 18 last night, which means UNLV got beat so bad that that became a quad one loss. <laughs> if UNLV loses by 10 last night, it's a quad two loss this morning. But because they lost by 18, it's a quad one loss. Did Max Rice say afterwards, I'm bummed that we beat him by 18 because now it might not be a quad he, one win? I don't know if he did, but he should have because UNLV <laughs> falling. So UNLV falling to 67. If UNLV falls to 76, it's not a quad one win for right. Boise State anymore. So he actually. Should, should have worried. had that comment as well, right. as especially after the like he did after the Utah State game. They should have pulled up and said, hold on, guys. We got the win. Let's yes, win by exactly. 12, <laughs> not 18. It'll be better that way. So that is the NCAA tournament resume-wise. Both Net and Ken Palm, the margin matters. So if you, you know, if you lose a game by one point, that's not significantly different than winning the game by one point. Obviously, you get the win versus the loss, and that does matter. But as far as your like efficiency rankings, winning by one and losing by one are very, very similar. So if they lost last night, but it had been by two points, hell, they might have risen in Ken Palm, honestly, and their net would have stayed around the same. And yes, it would have been a loss, but it would have been, hey, their metrics are still about the same. Right. But losing by 18 is what hurts a lot there. And I think... To me, what it means now is UNLV needs to win a road game against one of the top four or five teams in the conference to so sort of balance it said that yesterday about the, the last few that they have. Right. And so, you know, can they go to Logan and win? Can they go to Boise and win? Can they go to San Diego and win? They can do that. This sort of balances out this home loss to Boise State. The problem, though, with that is that even if, let's say, let's just say they beat Boise in February. UNLV is not an NCAA tournament team right now. So not only do they have to balance out this loss with a win, they still have to go win more games they're not supposed to right. to have an NCAA tournament resume. So in reality, losing that game last night means you need to win in Logan and San Diego and Boise or something like that to have a shot to go to the NCAA tournament. So that's sort of the problem with last night's win or last night's loss. How many games do they win in Mountain West play? They're one and three now. Yeah. I think at the best they're ten and eight. So nine and nine is kind of the the record we're okay. looking at as like that's probably where they end I bet, up. I think the best at this point would be in one and three, given some of the road games you just mentioned that they haven't had to go on yet. I think ten and eight would be the best they could get. So that would mean finishing would be, the year nine and six. Yeah, and that'd be twenty two. Or nine wins. and nine and five. Nine and five. That'd be twenty two wins. Yeah. Probably not enough. 
I no. guess I guess if they if all their losses were close and they pulled off, well, you pick, a, pick up a few in the conference if, tournament. Yeah, so that that's gonna be that's gonna be the interesting part I think in the Mountain West is I think we're gonna get down to the end and there's gonna be San Diego State will probably be safe and be in and like their 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 metrics right now are good they're like a five seed or something like that maybe Utah State as long as they don't lose any more games by thirty right. uh, Utah State might have good enough numbers maybe New Mexico but in reality I think we're gonna get down to the end and we're probably gonna have Utah State New Mexico Boise State maybe UNLV, maybe Nevada as bubble teams. And we might have genuine Mountain West tournament quarterfinal and semifinal games that, that are for might, the NCAA tournament might on the bubble. play in games. Yeah. Like there might be a chance that like Utah State plays UNLV. And that's and, for a play-in game. And winner is like, hey, you we yeah, have a chance. Yeah, man. you've got a real shot. Obviously, we won't know because it doesn't come down till Sunday, but there's a chance that's what the Mountain West tournament plays out as is it's, Hey, it's one more shot for you to pick up that quality win. And it, and you might be, it might be, Hey, last team in is Utah state. First team out is UNLV. They play each other or whatever right. it is. Um, that I think that's what we're going to see in the Mountain West tournament is some really important games well, for the NCAA tournament good for everyone around here. Right now, UNLV has got to do some winning to be at that point, because as it's going right now, UNLV will be the 20th team out and right it won't matter. They won't be able to do enough other than winning the Mountain West tournament. Um, there's one other thing from that game that I wanted to bring up. Did you enjoy Max Rice making a three, four seconds into the game? I mean, I, I like Max Rice to watch him play. Shooting, so, so, yeah. UNLV wins the opening tip. Right. David Mawaka wins the opening tip, tips it backwards. I think it was going to Harkless. I can't remember. But Max Rice jumped the pass, whatever you want to call it. Like he was a safety intercepting a pass, intercepts the tip, right in steps right into a three and drills it four seconds in on a tip that UNLV won. They're losing three to nothing on a Max Rice three. Like UNLV looked kind of stunned. They're like, wait, what happened? You can do that? I loved that play. Like that was hilarious to me to just right off the tip. Oh yeah, I'm going to steal it. EJ Harkless isn't getting this, and I'm shooting a three because nobody in the world even Nobody's knows what's wrong. happening. Exactly. Right. They don't even know what just happened, and you're down 3 nothing in that game. I love that play. That was a fun play. Uh, Buddy Heald did it in the NBA. Yes. But I believe yes. his team won the tip. Yes. Like, I, I don't think he stole the tip. I think his team he won He might have been, it. was he four seconds or quicker? I think he did it in three seconds. He did I think three. His, That's Max, what I was say. Max Rice's load seconds. into his shot took a little too long. He needed Buddy Bring Heald. the ball up from the hip. Oh, yeah. Buddy Heald had a quick second. release. Yeah. Max Rice was like, I got all the time in the world. Yeah. Take my time. Cost him a second there. Uh, so it, it's happened now in the NBA and in college basketball. It's a fun play. Uh, and you might have to prepare for it. Like, if you're playing Boise State <laughs> next, you got to be like, all right. Where's Max Rice? On the tip. This Max Rice guy might run and try <laughs> to steal it. Let's not let him do that. Uh, so yeah, might, uh, have to pay attention there. All right. Coming up next here on ESPN, Las Vegas, it's Bischoff's briefs where we take a look at some super coming up in about 10 minutes. We're going to have tickets to give away to go see collective soul. Also going to be joined by J.R. Starkus a little bit later this hour. I got that backwards. J.R. Starkus in 10 minutes, collective soul in 20 minutes. Uh, Bischoff's briefs today though. We're looking at, uh, chances to win the super bowl here. First off, Danny, have you bet on anybody to win the super bowl? No, not to win the Super Bowl. But okay. Do you I, plan on betting anybody right now to win the Super Bowl? Not right now. I'm okay. going to wait. Okay. Until their two teams are in the Super Bowl? 
no, I might do it um, during the conference championships. Okay. Just to get a little bit better odds than, than once Super Bowl matchups made, then go in. So a couple different places put out uh, probability here. Uh, I've got two of them. Football Outsiders, which goes by DVOA, and then 538. So I'm going to go through these and see if there's any ones that stand out to you guys. First off, by Football Outsiders. Kansas City is the number one team, most likely to win the Super Bowl, 21.1%. Number two is Philly at 20. Number three is San Francisco uh, also at 20. Number four is Buffalo at 18%. Then there's a big drop-off. Kansas or Cincinnati is at 6.5%. Dallas at 3. Jacksonville at 2. Everybody else is less than 2%. The interesting one to me on DVOAs is Minnesota's at last place 0.3% chance to win the Super Bowl. Uh, 538, very similar. Kansas City 25, Buffalo's 22, Phillies 20, San Francisco 14, then a big drop off to Cincinnati at 8, and Dallas comes in at 6 at 5%. Minnesota big makes a jump up to the 7th best odds at 3%. So, by 538 and Football Outsiders, both of those kind of imply there's only four teams competing for the Super Bowl. Kansas City, Philadelphia, Buffalo, and San Francisco. Football Outsiders says there's a 78% chance one of those four wins the Super Bowl. 538 says there's an 81% chance one of those wins the Super Bowl. So basically, there's a 20% chance somebody worse than the three seed wins the Super Bowl. So here's a question for you two. Of those top four, Kansas City, Philly, Buffalo, San Francisco, should they all be on the same tier? Or is one of those four teams worse than the others? I think they should all be on the same tier. Is there anybody that should join them? Is there another team? I think that the should Bengals be might should maybe join them. I, I, I know Danny's going to say the Cowboys. Uh, no, he's not. Absolutely not. I think the Bengals. <laughs> I I I think it's last year, and I like the Bengals. You're back. I'm back. You're back I'm, on liking I'm back the Bengals. With my Bengals bandwagon. Now, I don't know what you think, but I think the Bengals should should join them if we're talking the top tier, and then and then jump to people like the Cowboys and. Jacksonville and others looking at these numbers. So San Francisco, Philly and Casey, they're all separated by uh, what? 1.1%. Yeah. How much would can, would San Francisco be favored over everybody else? If Brock Purdy wasn't starting their playoff game. And who, who would be Jimmy starting Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. I mean, Garoppolo is not that much better than Brock Purdy. So right. But probably looking, not at all. Looking at these, uh, like the first set of odds, um, San Francisco's I mean, 20.9 and Casey's 21.1. Would San Francisco go above 21.1? Probably not. I mean, on a neutral, do you think San Francisco would be favored over Buffalo right now? I don't know. You're the number one Brock Purdy fan. Yes. Are you about to make me defend Brock Purdy? You want to? He's basically the same as Jimmy Garoppolo. I know how much you love it when I make you defend people you, you, you don't you, like. You do this all the time. It's unbelievable. Brock Purdy and Jimmy, there's no real difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. Now, maybe Brock Purdy blows it in the playoffs and we're like, oh, he does Starkus is already doubting yeah. you. Walks in the room and starts shaking his head. But Look there's no, there's no, there's there's been no <laughs> drop-off in quarterback play. From Garoppolo. Exactly, to Purdy. because Purdy is awesome and should be the rookie of the year. But now you're suggesting that if he wasn't the starter, they'd be favored to win the Super Bowl. Well, I'm just saying if you look at these <laughs> percentages, 
if Garoppolo was in and healthy, he's not would very good, they though. be the favored, though? No. Oh, no, not, not over Kansas City. Because here's the other key to these. No. Kansas City does not play a game this weekend. Right. Right. San Francisco's has to play massive favorites, but there's like a 15, 20% chance they lose, which is baked into your odds to win the Super Bowl. Right. That's that's 20% that Kansas City doesn't exist for them, and same for Philadelphia. So next week, San Francisco wins. They might actually be ahead yeah. of some of these teams. They'll be favored. They might be. They probably won't be because they'll have to go on the road to beat Philly. Well, they're favored to win the NFC right now. They still wouldn't, even with Garoppolo, they would not be climbing against Kansas City. Yeah, there's Kansas City is going to be favored now. If if it was if it was not Garoppolo, if it was Brock Purdy was replacing an actual good quarterback, then yes, their their percentage would skyrocket. But it's Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen Garoppolo in the postseason. How do they win games? Oh, they scored nine points, but Aaron Rodgers they're really good defensively. Yeah. It's not because of the quarterback. So I don't think that would change very much. The problem for Cincinnati, the reason they're not in this top group, I think is largely because they have to go to Buffalo. If everything plays out right yeah, next I week. Guess, I guess that's why the there's a precipitous drop there, like you said. I just think they're good enough to be mentioned among those other teams. I understand right. now what you're saying in terms of where they have to go on the road. But if you're saying, are they good enough? To win some of those games, I think they're good enough. They are. and But again, the and the other issue, if you compare them directly to Buffalo, for Bu- Buffalo's path to go to the Super Bowl, conceivably, they don't have to play a road game because the AFC title game is at a neutral yeah, site it's in if they play Kansas City. If they City. play Kansas City. If they play anybody else, Buffalo would right. host it. Same for Kansas City. There's two teams in the AFC that do not have to play a road game to go to the Super Bowl. Cincinnati is going to have to win two. If Cincinnati, unless there's real upset, Cincinnati's path to go to the Super Bowl is home against Baltimore and then at Buffalo and then at Kansas City. So for them to get to the Super Bowl, they've got to go on the road and beat the two best teams in the AFC and maybe the two best best teams teams in in the entire league, which is extremely hard to do. Now, and I guess that's where those 6.5 plays into it. Right. And like, you know, if Buffalo gets upset by Miami, then. Cincinnati's got a much easier path. If Kansas City in the second round gets upset by the Chargers or whatever, then Cincinnati doesn't have to go on the road to Kansas City and their odds will skyrocket. But as of now, their path is so difficult. I think that's why they're not in that top percent. So the one that I think is actually too low, though, is Tampa Bay. On this one, on the first one, it says, uh, says, um, okay, Baltimore... Tampa Bay at 0.6%. And then that's that's, uh, that's football, outsiders. football Outsiders. And then 538 has them at 0.9. Right. This is this might be overly simplistic, but Tom Brady's quarter opposing quarterback path to the Super Bowl is Dak Prescott, who leads the league in interceptions, is Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy. Less than 1% is way too low on Tampa Bay. Uh, that's a tough road. I mean, one quarterback doesn't turn the ball over. <laughs> it's not in his DNA. <laughs> one, quarterback's about to be the, DNA. one quarterback's about to be rookie of the year. That's it's uh-huh. a tough road. <laughs> tough road. Like, what about the middle one? The middle one, eh. He's <laughs> hurt. He just came back from an injury. He's, <laughs> he's all right. So, listen, Philadelphia and San Francisco have phenomenal defenses. Tampa Bay will not be favored in either of no. those games. I don't think they'll win. I don't if think they're they favored on Monday night. They so, are not. They're two-point underdogs. So it's not that I'm not sitting here telling you they have some easy path. 
But when we talk about what, um, who's a good comp? Uh, Herbert, because he's in the 4-5 game, or Lawrence. Justin Herbert's path to the Super Bowl is most likely Trevor Lawrence, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Josh Allen. Allen. Tom Brady's again is Dak, Jalen Hurts, and Brock Brock Purdy. I think less than 1% is too low on Brady. They'd have to win three games as underdogs. I got it. But when those are the quarterbacks you have to beat in the postseason, that's not that hard. Yeah. Well, right now you can get Buccaneers to win the NFC or the to win the NFC Championship at eleven to one and Super Bowl at twenty eight to one. I don't think they win the Super Bowl. I don't know if anybody in the is NFC that why you're, Super Bowl. is that why you're clicking on your phone right now? Yeah, I wanted to see live odds. Where's oh, where's eleven to one? Who's who's better than them? Philly, San Francisco, Dallas. Is Minnesota better than them? No, Minnesota's twelve to one. <laughs> Dallas, Dallas is plus five fifty. Okay, so. So they have the All fourth right. best odds in the NFC because literally nobody thinks Minnesota is any good. <laughs> I am glad that collectively the football world realizes Minnesota sucks. The Dolphin, you can get the Dolphins at a hundred to one. Okay, Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson. That would just be burning the money, right? What is what's Seattle? Eighty for Super Bowl or NFC? NFC Super Bowl. Well, give us both. Uh, Super Bowl. They are fifty to one. Oh, and enough. for the NFC, they are twenty-eight to one. Yeah. All right, they're losing the first game, anyways. They have the matter. same odds as the Giants for NFC. All right, coming up next, I think Jr. Starkus is going to yell at me. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with Jr. Starkus. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. He's our extreme mixologist. Every Thursday, follow him on Twitter, Jr. Starkus. You still the director of business development? Yes, correct. Is that still your title? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, Just extreme mixologist. Extreme way more mixologist. fun. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. That that works for me. All right, you're the extreme mixologist. <laughs> what are you going to yell at Tyler about? Uh, a couple things. So I heard you talking to Gramala this morning, and oh yeah, the metal spoons. <laughs> yes, yes, and um, so you 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 actually. <laughs> You actually did. Did I misrepresent? Yes, okay. but like you actually gave my wife too much credit because it's not just out of a metal like container. Like it's a tuna anything can. that touches metal, like anything except for the other forks or spoons, which is weird. But so you know, if you got like Thai food and it's on the foil, like that, sometimes it comes to you in the little right. like, go container. Sure, she, that she can't touch. Like the the fork can't touch that. As a matter of fact, when I went home last week after the show and I said, hey, did you listen to the show today? She's like, oh, and she said, no, what would you say about me? Like, that's exactly, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and I, said, I said, oh, we were talking about um, how your forks can't. She's like, oh, like right away. She's like, she couldn't take it. Like, it which created such a reaction to her. She's like, I can't talk. I can't. Don't talk about it. And like, it's. This it's is so, bizarre on so, so many yeah. levels. Yeah. So that was the one thing. You gave my wife too much credit this morning. I'm sure she'll be thrilled that if you heard this today. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I'm wondering Brock Purdy. Um, I remember watching when Steve Young, or excuse me, when when Joe Montana went out and Steve Young came in. And I was like, oh crap, it's over. We got no shot, you know. And then I, I remember seeing the same thing. Like, you know, you got Trey Lance into Jimmy Garoppolo, and then Garoppolo into this this unknown kid. And I'm like, ugh, that's it, man. There goes this defense. All this stuff that we had, boom, gone. And I'm like, oh. Okay, this is pretty nice look to see. Danny. Right? Look, JR's look on board. Oh, yeah, look I'm 100% on board. Now, I wonder what, like, Trey Lance is thinking. Trey Lance is like, uh, played one game, got hurt, 
Worst team in the NFL. We lost to them, the Bears, in the game one of the season. Granted, it was like wet outside, but um, monsoon. Yeah, I wonder what he's thinking. He's like, damn it, man. Like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a backup again. It's life next in year. the NFL, man. Yeah, man. I'm going to be a backup. He's got nothing to worry about. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Okay. Tyler's not on board with Brock Purdy at all. It appears well, that way. So here's the thing. Like, in my world, I don't want to agree with Tyler because Tyler is most of the time wrong, right? Which is nice to hear because when he's like so in on something, it's the opposite that plays out. Last year with the Knights, he's like, they got nothing to worry about. They can do whatever. Yeah, they're fine. fine. Last year, then tank, no playoffs, right? They were fine. Okay. This year, now he's he's talking about it again. How about Brock Purdy. Yeah, but now he's talking about Brock Purdy, how he's a mess and or whatever. It's not the guy. And I'm like, I was just giving him credit when you walked in. See, I I love the fact that over the last like month, month and a half, I've made him defend multiple people yeah, that yeah. he Danny hates. does. The, I don't know how he does, <laughs> yeah, and it's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he's but you're generally not on board with Brock no. Purdy, right? Which is a good place for me as a fan of him and what's going on to be because no. if you're generally not on board, it means I'm in the right place. Where like, did the Niner fandom come from? My Niner fandom. Yeah. When, so when I was a kid, my, my father, as you're probably aware, is born and raised in Worcester, Mass. So I'm a Red yeah. Sox guy. Yeah. But uh, he only watched the Red Sox. He didn't really have a football team. He didn't watch the Patriots necessarily. He was just baseball. So no Bruins, no no nothing. So I was kind of left to pick. And, you know, as a young kid, you're like, who's the best team? And there was Niners. There's, you know, Joe Montana, Roddy, Ronnie Lott, Roger Craig. So I was like, I like those guys. And that was that's it. Kind of, and that's kind of where it came from. So Through good and bad. Yeah, yeah. So then now, you know, we had some rough years, and now it's nice to see him on the come up again. But as long as Seattle, like, I think about you, like, with how you are with the Dodgers and the Padres, like Seattle, they're not good, but they make me nervous. They always play the they always play the Niners tough. Um, Don't they have like one first down against the 49ers this year? I, listen, I hope that's, that's the case. <laughs> hey, but listen, too. <laughs> I I watched them play the Raiders, and I was like, what is happening? What is happening? How is this Jared Stidham guy throwing all over the place? Like, you never know, man. It's like one game now. I, I it does make me a little nervous, so I, I don't like Seattle at all. It's, I'm, I'm rooting for the Niners. Me too. But What's the weather like? It's the Bay Area. It could be a monsoon up there. I mean, it could be. I don't know if it's going to be. I didn't even look to see what the weather's like. And have you play. not seen the Bay Area in the last few I, days? I mean, I have, but I mean, that's... It's only Thursday. Three, yeah, you've got plenty of time. Days, I just read be underwater right now. I just out. read that the state of California has gotten like 16 trillion gallons of water dumped on them. Yeah. That's, that's a lot shit. of water. Yeah, we could use some. It's even a, yeah. That's even better for the 49ers. Yeah, they got good running backs. Yeah. They got guys that run the ball over the right. place, you know. Yeah, no, I like that. Like, it's it's January twelfth. Who do you want to be the 49ers starting quarterback to start next season? From Brock Purdy. All right, JS Starkus is rookie of the year. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Brookie. No, yeah. No and I'm giving it to you, baby. Brock I'm Purdy. giving it to you. Brock Purdy. He's Sunday. Yeah, yeah he's incredible. Is it? So you playing Sunday? Saturday. It doesn't matter. Saturday, Saturday doesn't yeah. matter. Ninety percent chance of rain. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's the winds? Uh, Danny, you're being too complete, <laughs> confusing right now. Well, no, he's going to place a bet. It's real quick. a ninety percent chance of rain, high of fifty-four. Geno Smith is going to be sliding like Justin Fields. Yeah, see Seattle, that's Seattle world. weather right there. They love it. They're like, yeah, yes, but they're this is like home. home. It's like going to be home game. Now it's the weather. I've already got money on that one. So, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, on what, Danny? I have Seahawks plus ten. Oh boy! All right, all right. You just said I love the. Four, I just want the Forty ers I did. Seahawks. I said I said I want the Forty ers but not more than nine. The Seahawks this year were only five and four at home, so it's not like they were good in Seattle weather. 
They for, lost to the Raiders for a team home. that was predicted. To... <laughs> <laughs> How sad is it that that's like the punchline right there? They lost to the yeah. Raiders. They're the only team to lose to Jeff Saturday and the Colts. <sighs> they deserve it. Awful, man. Ridiculous. All right. What are you making for what us to celebrate? What kind of egg do you have today? Brock Purdy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing a drink. A flip. Um, a flip is a, a, a classic style of cocktail that is made with a whole egg. It's been around for hundreds of years. Um, and you know, I, I, when I, when I retweeted the post this morning, I said, don't flip out. This drink is made with a whole egg. It, it, it's, it, it makes it, it's quite wonderful. This drink. So don't, you know, every time I make a drink with an egg, whether it just be egg white, or in this case, a, a whole egg, immediately people start to panic with like, Oh, egg in my raw egg, I'm salmonella. Yeah. 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 I'm panicking. So you have nothing to worry about. Okay. <laughs> um, the only requirement here is that your egg is of course fresh right like okay. use a fresh egg and you're going to be fine hold on what's your definition of fresh because my mom has chickens and fresh is like oh she just pulled it out from underneath that's the chicken. extremely fresh <laughs> um i'm just talking about something that you didn't like open up the drawer in the refrigerator and you're like oh i still have eggs yeah right <laughs> <laughs> okay okay yeah that's what i'm talking about um so you know something fresh and and um so the drink is is really simple. It's three ingredients, okay? And I generally don't have any fancy equipment, and this still fits the bill, but you will need an extra. I would advise an extra piece of equipment for today's drink, and it's one of those little metal whippers that you usually find in your protein bottle, yep. you know? I would advise using that, and here's why. This drink incorporates um, a dry shake, which is shaking the ingredients without ice. That's what we call, bartenders call it a dry shake. You don't 100% have to dry shake the drink. However, if you're a novice bartender shaking a drink with egg white or egg for yourself at home, if you don't have a hard enough shake, the drink will not emulsify and foam up the right way if you add ice immediately. So it's not the end of the world, but for most people, I would highly recommend this method. So your first ingredient into your mixing tin is going to be the entire egg, okay? And the reason we're adding that first is because if you crack an egg and, you know, like get shell in there or something, uh, you, you have an opportunity to pick it out or to start over and you're just wasting an egg versus if you put your alcohol in first and you dump the egg and you get, you know, shells, you, shells and stuff and then you're, you're throwing away travel. everything, right? So you start with the egg. Then you're going to add uh, half of an ounce of liquid alchemist uh, spiced apple syrup, okay? Because what we're going to make today is a spiced apple flip. Then the third ingredient, now a classic flip is generally made with sherry, like an aromatized or fortified wine, okay, or a fortified wine, excuse me, is, is uh, a sherry. However, some people, you could use rum, dark rum, or brandy, right, um, cognac if you want. I'm using apple brandy called Calvados, okay, so this is a brandy that's made in the northern part of France that's made from apples, and so in that, that particular spirit, is called Calvados. So I'm going to use an ounce and a half of this Calvados. Boulard is the brand name. Um, an ounce and a half of Boulard Calvados. Three ingredients. One egg, half of an ounce of your apple spice syrup, an ounce and a half of the Boulard Calvados. At this point, you add your whipper, shake the ingredients together hard for probably 10 to 15, 20 seconds, right, without ice. That will emulsify all of the ingredients. At, then you can break the tin apart. Now add ice as normal. And reshake. You're going to pull the whipper out, reshake with ice, and then strain it into a chilled cocktail glass, garnish with a little bit of nutmeg. It is absolutely wonderful. A creamy, 
um, a mouthfeel that's uh, that's thicker than a lot of other drinks. It's you know if you're making an eggnog, egg? if you're making an eggnog. I was cocktail, just going to say this kind of looks like eggnog. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eggnog would inc- include maybe a little bit of cream and different spices and whatnot, uh, but it's similar in, a, in effect. So you know, if you've if you're making a fresh eggnog, it would have a similar effect to that. But uh, this drink is called the Flip. It's really great for the colder months. Um, it's generally something that people reserve for the winter time because you know, as I've spoken of a few times, it's a little more caloric. It's not something that you're typically, uh, when you're looking for the skinny drink, uh, this isn't the one necessarily that you want. Um, however, it's got a good amount of protein in it. So, so it, does this taste like the apple spice? Is that yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah. So the, you'll get, you'll obviously get the, the kick of the brandy, the, the apple brandy, but the apple spice syrup kind of picks it up a little bit. So you'll get those cinnamon and clove and, 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 um, all spice notes to it. Um, with the creaminess of the egg, the egg doesn't really add like a lot of flavor. It adds some, but you're not gonna. It, it's not like a custard. You're not gonna eat it and be like, "Oh, it's taste eggy." It's not what it, it's not there. It's it's just the way that it makes the drink come together, and it, it's quite beautiful in, in this style of drinking. You'll see it quite often. You see egg whites in drinks a lot more often than you see a whole egg. Um, but a whole egg is certainly uh, par for the course. I don't know mm. if you know the answer to this, but who was the first person to put an egg in a drink? Um, like, it, you know, well, it's attributed delicious. to the British Navy in like the 1600s. Like wartime ration type of food? Is that what we're talking yeah. about? Okay. Yeah. yeah, or, you know, to, uh, you know, you need, need some sustenance and you're going to drink. So <laughs> Drink an egg. Heck yeah. We don't, Rocky we don't Balboa have a Rocky yeah. Balboa with yeah. like 30 yeah. eggs? Yeah, Rocky Balboa would, do, would love this drink. Yeah, yeah, so we can walk in and order a flip. Yeah, so it, you but you would want to go to a, uh, you know, a, definitely a more of a cocktails forward bar. But yeah, but if you just went in and ordered a flip, they would probably say, okay, well, what kind of flip? You know, they say apple. Ask, well, I w- you you would say like a brandy flip. Okay. And if you want it, to, if you you would ask them, be like, hey, do you have uh, Calvados? I would like an apple brandy flip. Um, but the an syrup, generally, the syrup that goes into a flip is like simple syrup. So I'm just I'm I'm adding the the flavored syrup. You know, so generally it's like sherry, simple syrup, and an egg. What's that taste like? It just doesn't have the apple kick? I mean, it just, what's it taste it's, like? Well, it's lower in alcohol, but depending on the sherry that you use, it's more like, um, you know, the flavor of the sherry little more, made me a little more oxidized, nutty um, in its flavor because all these sherries taste different depending on what you use. Um, and then, of course, if you're using a sweeter sherry, you, would, you, would, you could probably back down on some of the sugar if you needed to, if you're using a sweet sherry. Uh, but in this case, because you're using an 80-proof spirit, brandy and then a little bit of the syrup the apple spice versus simple syrup and a whole egg it it just comes forward with that egg flavor and you just garnish with a little bit of nutmeg on top and can, you got a great can i cocktail. request the bartender make it like on the table so everybody sees that he's cracking an egg yeah. into whatever i'm about to drink yeah i want it like yeah. hibachi chef style like everybody watch I'm about to drink an egg. So would you like them to like spin it and then flip oh, it up with yes. a spatula? They like, have a yes. hat? Yeah, like yes. crack, crack it with the sideways <laughs> spatula right into the mixing tin. Could you do any of that? Uh, absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. All right. yeah, I mean, I would attempt it. It right. would not. This is why you start with the egg because <laughs> when I blow it and I'm like, oh, well, let's just scramble that egg and let's start over again because I just completely missed it. Well, he is J.R. Starkus, the number two Brock Purdy fan in the room behind Danny. Uh, thanks, JR, our extreme mixologist. Thank Super, you, buddy. Super Bowl champion Brock Purdy. Yeah, we'll see. But now we got tickets to give away to go see Collective Soul. They're at the Pearl at the Palms on Saturday, 702 364 1100. That's the phone number. Be caller number five right now at 702 364 1100. You'll win a pair of tickets to see Collective Soul at the Pearl at the Palms. If this is it, Aaron. Last one. Is it last time out there, last time here? What are you going to mess? 
I'm going to miss your questions, Bill. <laughs> and Mike Clemens taking 10 seconds to do a lead up. And Pete angling for something. And Bob writing stories about my personal life. <laughs> You've been good lately, though. Thanks. And Jason bringing it back home with something that's kind of heavy hitting. Stephanie Sutton coming out of left field. The good question. I miss the guys. I miss the fans. Yeah. Thank you. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. I'm actually impressed that Aaron Rodgers could say something about, what was that, six, seven different media members? Yeah, yeah. By name. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I kind of expect the quarterback to know, you know, six or seven media members' names, but to be like, to kind of make a little bit of a joke at all of them. Like, well, he can't be the one that says, I don't read anything. Because <laughs> he pretty much knew everything those people wrote. <laughs> like, he made fun, he was basically making fun of a guy for like taking 10 seconds to lead into a question, right? Yeah. He made fun of a guy for like, ah, oh, you always write about my personal, personal life. life. Like, I'm, I'm actually kind of impressed yeah. that he had something yes. for six or seven yeah, different media too. members. That's kind of crazy. I, I got to be honest with you. I think six and seven's a lot to know that personally. You know faces, guys who come every day. You're right. gonna know, but if you ask them legitimately, it's almost like um, in the in the Golden Knights locker room, do they know the same faces every day. Do they know their names? Do they know much about them? I'm not sure. Um, my guess would be no on the no side, right? I mean, they would know. Oh, I see him every day. Yeah. Um, but and I'm sure it's the same with quarterbacks, like. Derek Carr saw the same faces, you know, for, you know, some of them, you know, he knew Paul, obviously, I mean, you know, six, seven, eight years. Right. But I think for the most part, when he came to Vegas, like, okay, I see that person every day. I don't know much about him, but so the, for Rogers to know all that. Now, I also think probably those Packer guys were almost like, have been covering that team for a really long time. Probably. They've been there for They've half been there for his like, career or exactly, something like exactly. that. Exactly. So, yeah. Oh, well, still making jokes about it. Bring back Derek Carr so he can make jokes about asking what he's going to miss about the media. <laughs> so he can talk about blocking Josh Dubow exactly. and Fresno State beating Paul Gutierrez as UNLV <laughs> yeah, or whatever else he'd bring up. Bring it back. We, I'd, I'd enjoy more of that. Just players saying, what are you going to miss about the media? And that's the thing. He didn't even get asked, what are you going to miss about the media? He's like, what are you going to miss about this place? Yeah. And he, yeah. he he took like thirty seconds, but then he started making fun of the media. Yeah. I enjoyed he, that. He did grab a big swig of water right before he answered, so you knew it was going to be long worded. He was thinking. He was coming up with. Uh, he's like, I got to remember all these guys' names real quick. It was tough for him. So that was impressive. There, there was probably one reporter he didn't know their names, so he's like, Oh man, hold on. Right. Yeah. He did go with uh, you. He could have just pointed at somebody and said, Oh yeah, and you doing this. <laughs> that would have been good. It would have been great. Would have enjoyed that. Uh, so yeah, uh, I enjoy when players. Say, call media members by their name. We got that uh, Shane Beamer sound when he's yelling at Phil. Yeah, Phil. Hell no, Phil. What kind of question is that? Right. It's a great quote. I love it when they get mad at him, too. It's always fun. That's what I'm... Listen, Bruce Cassidy is the most uh, open coach the Golden Knights have ever had. Yes. Right? He will answer anything you ask him. He pretty much will answer the question. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a little bit more angry at the media, though. Oh. Like... Just, just like a lot. Snap great. a little. Galat snap would a little. Snap. snap a few times. Yeah, he'd be in a bad mood for. They might win the game, and Galat would be in a bad mood, and 
He'd give the great little Does that come bites. from the stereotype of East Coast media is tougher and he's probably, and back in Boston it was probably harder? Does that come from the stereotype of that? He was. The, I don't know. I don't know who covers the he was Boston the, Bruins. I mean, from what we've heard, he was the same way in Boston, I think, okay. too, right? So, I don't know. Maybe. Okay, I, I don't know who covers Boston. I don't either. So, I'm just, I'm, you know, that's the whole cliche about, oh, Derek Carr goes to New York. I mean, forget about it. He's not going to be able to handle that. He's not going to be able to deal with that. He did cry in a press conference like a month ago. Yeah, here. but that was because he lost to Jeff Sunday. <laughs> Jeff Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you lose to that guy, and then you're. <laughs> I mean, that'll bring anyone to tears, especially if he did. Especially if you knew at that point that he was the only one who was going to lose one. to him. <laughs> he would have really been upset. Well, the Colts apparently might bring him back. I know. <laughs> Jeff <laughs> Saturday might beat somebody else next year, and okay. they play. And Andy next year. They oh, play God. Sunday next year. Can you imagine the Colts going 1-16 and 16 next year and the only no, one is the Raiders, the Raiders with Jeff? Oh. If they go to Indy and lose to Jeff Saturday, I know you keep telling me it won't happen, but he is. you have got to fire everybody. <laughs> everybody. Good talk.